From the time I started in ministry in 1989, for many, many years, I had a calendar and I would write on my daily planner where I was at and what I did. And so I was just kind of looking back and in 1991, March 3rd was a Sunday. I arrived at church at nine o'clock, stayed till one, taught classroom number nine. In the evening, I was there from 6.30 till 12.30. That was my day. 1992, March 3rd, today's date, was a Tuesday. That day, I arrived at church in the morning, worked in the office for a while. At 10 o'clock, we had a prayer meeting. After prayer meeting, I did two hospital visits. Also that day in 1992, I went out. There was a lady named Gypsy, and we took food to a needy family that was friends of hers. I also made six phone calls that day that I had recorded. Not recorded the phone calls. This date in 1993 was a Wednesday. I started my morning early. I drove down to Fairfax, Virginia, met with T. Burton Pierce for my ordination interview. And the last thing Brother Pierce said before I left, as before I was finishing up my interview, he said, now, what happens if we do not give you ordination? My first interview with the district was very easy because when I went in to sit down the first time, I was met by two people who knew my dad. And uh, there was another mission, another uh, pastor near that I didn't know. But the other three knew me and hugged me. And, and that was wonderful. The next time that I went, for our ordination, I didn't hardly know as many of those guys. And so the last question he asked me is he said to me, what will you do if we do not give you credentials? My response was, well, I guess I'll be back next year. So on that day, today's date was a Wednesday in 1993. When I drove back, I went to the office and I stayed at church till 10 o'clock that night. I also keep financial records. At 2007, December 17th, of 2007, I went with my wife and we went to the Barnes and Noble Cafe. I spent $13.76 on, 76 cents on food that evening. That evening, we also went to GameStop. And on December 17, 2007, I spent $27.54 and $10.59 on gifts for my kids at GameStop. On this day in 2008, I don't want to bore you, but on this day in 2008, I stopped at Sheets and got some fast food. That's why I'm as big as I am. I spent $7.06 at Sheets on fast food. And then on my way home from work, I stopped at Weaver's store in Five Pointville and spent $10.59 on cleaning supplies for my house. That's in this date in 2008. Just saying those things to say that some of us are pretty good at keeping records. Some of us are pretty good. Let's turn your Bibles with me to Psalms 103. And listen to what the psalmist says about God keeping records. Psalms 100 and, I'm sorry, Psalms 130, verses 1 through 4. He says this, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Verse 3, 
if you, Lord, kept a record of sins. If you kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Father, I pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word today. May it find a good place. May you open our hearts to receive from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The psalmist says this. He says, out of the depths, I called to the Lord. Now, when you talk about the depths, what do you think of? He says, out of the depths of my soul, out of the depths of his pain, out of the depths of his sorrow, out of the depths of his trial. Typically, when we use that kind of phrase or when we find that kind of phrase in Scripture, out of the depths, it's not usually a good place. It's usually not a mountaintop. It's usually when we think of someone being in a pit or in a difficult place. Have you ever found yourself there? Have you ever found yourself in the pits? Have you ever found yourself in the depths? Have you ever found yourself in that place in which you're crying out to the Lord out of the depths? And he says, his cry to God was this. His cry, oh God, that you would hear my voice. That God would incline his ear towards him. That God would somehow listen to him, hear him, and extend to him mercy. Perhaps in the depths he questions if God will listen to him. Perhaps in the depths, in that dark place, he wondered if God could hear him or if God would even pay attention to his cry. Have you ever found yourself there? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you wondered if God was listening? Have you ever found yourself in a place where maybe it was because of your own doing, because of your own choices, you found yourself in a place and you wonder, will God really listen to me? Will he really even pay attention to me? Then he makes this statement. He said, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? Other versions say, Lord, if you marked my transgressions, Or, Lord, if you marked my iniquities, who could stand? The first point I want you to consider is this. If God kept a record. How many of you have used these little tally marks? Yeah, keep a tally, you know. Maybe you're you're counting something, you're playing a game. Okay, there's three for you and two for me and one for you and one for me. And every time we hit five, we cross the line. The psalmist says this. Who could possibly stand? If God counted our transgressions. Ah. Some of you, this is just yesterday. This was yesterday. If God put a mark down. Every time I transgressed. If he held it against me. Every time I fell short. If he kept a record of every place where I'm inadequate 
Every place I fall short of his glory. The psalmist says this, who could possibly stand under the weight of guilt and condemnation? If God pulled out his ledger and began to recount what happened on March 3rd, 1968. What happened on March 3rd, 1969? What happened on March 3rd, 1978? What happened on March 3rd, 1988? March 3rd, 98, 2008, 2018. The implication is that the weight of our sins keep piling up and up and up and up until the weight of our sin, the weight of our guilt becomes so heavy that no one could possibly stand under the weight of our transgressions. That's what the psalmist says. That's the implications. He says, Lord, if you marked our transgressions, if you tallied each time that we fall short, who could possibly stand? But notice what he says in verse 4. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. If you highlight things in your Bible, highlight that, but with you, there is forgiveness. With the Lord, there's forgiveness. There's grace. The psalmist knew he would not be able to stand under the weight of sin, under the weight of transgression. He would not be able to bear up underneath that any longer. But, but, with God, there is forgiveness. With God, there's a clean slate. With God, the Bible says that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Isaiah said this. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. And notice what he says. For my own sake and remembers your sins no more. The psalmist says, I'm the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, not because of you. I think sometimes if I get my stuff right, if I can finally get it together, if I can really be sorry enough, then he'll take it away. If I can make up for the things that I've done wrong, then he'll take it away. But God says, I'm the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. The psalmist said in 103 verse 12 about the Lord, he says, as far as the east is from the west. Well, the east and the west never meet. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The prophet Micah, he says this. He said, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? Notice what he says. You do not stay angry forever. It doesn't mean God doesn't get mad. His anger lasts, what? A moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. He says, you don't stay angry forever, but he delights to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. 
you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Sometimes we think God's going to tread us underfoot and throw us into the depths of the sea. But the word says that he'll tread our sins underfoot, just smash them. He'll obliterate them. And Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 1, says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, so if you're working to have your sins forgiven, but to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies, what's that next line? What's it say? The righteous, the ones who get all their stuff together, the ones who finally make their good outweigh their bad. I've tried to do a lot of good to outweigh the bad that I've done. No. But trust God who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. What does it say? Never count against them. Blessed, happy. When it talks about blessed, when the Bible speaks about blessed, it's happy, it's fortunate, it's to be envied. Friends, you and I should be happy, fortunate, see ourselves as fortunate to be envied because our sins have been forgiven by God. Who's the ones whose sins are forgiven? The ones who trust in God's unfailing love. The ones who trust in the work of the cross, that upon the cross, Jesus paid the overpayment for your sin in mine. Notice that when I was reading there and as I was studying, I hadn't noticed it before. It says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. The price, the full price has been paid for your transgressions and mine. And then he goes on to say, listen to how prophetic, how prophetic this psalm is as the psalmist writes it hundreds of years before Jesus. And he says, he himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. Do you see that? God himself will pay the price. When you redeem something, you pay the price for it. God himself will pay the price for all of Israel's sins and for my sins and yours as well. So the reality of it is this. If God kept a record of your mistakes this morning, some of you, you popped an attitude this morning when you rolled out of bed. Before anyone said anything, you were already popping an attitude. There it goes. Huh? Some of you, you rolled out of bed, you looked over at your spouse, and there goes another one. You judged them. When you thought about going to church, you already started, as you, you know, you're thinking about coming to church, and you're kind of grumbling about some things. If God marked our transgressions, many of us, before we even roll out of bed, if he marked them, 
Who could stand? Who could stand before God if they kept piling up against us? Now, here's the second thing I want to talk to you about. If you keep a record, if God kept a record, who could stand? If you keep a record, who could possibly stand? Notice what it says. But with God, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve him. You couldn't serve God or do anything for God. You could not stand before him. You could not serve him or be used of him if you keep a record. Have you ever noticed that when you sin and are made aware of a particular transgression in your life, oftentimes your mind is flooded with memories of other past failures. Voices that accuse you and say, you're not worthy. You've not changed. You're a failure. You're a hypocrite. Where do those voices come from? According to the scripture that we just read, is that the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is that the Holy Spirit reminding you of all of your past? If you keep a record of your own transgressions, you will not be able to stand and do anything for God. Because every time you go to stand up and say something, there'll be a voice in the back of your head that'll say, who are you to say anything? Sit down and shut up. Who are you to serve in that way? Sit down and shut up. Who are you to think that you could make a difference in somebody's life? Sit down and shut up. That's the voice of the enemy again and again speaking to God's people. If you mark your own transgressions, friend, who can possibly stand? If you keep record of all the things that you've done wrong, how can you possibly advise another person? That's one of the challenges that I see. I see Christian people sometimes that maybe because they've made mistakes in their past or maybe because they've fallen short in some way, they'll say, well, I'll let my kids learn on their own. No, that's stupid. You tell them, I know from experience, that's not what you want to do. You don't have to go into all the details of those things, but many of you, many times people are told to be quiet. Something in their head tells them that you can't say anything for God. You can't do anything for God. You're not worthy. Who are you to speak on God's behalf? Who are you to serve if you marked our transgressions? If we keep a record of our own faults, it would cause you to feel discouraged, disqualified, unworthy to stand or do anything for God. But... Because with the Lord there is forgiveness, we can with reverence, with reverence, with respect, serve him. I heard about someone who I respected had done something in their past, and it discouraged me. And you know, a lot of times we'll see those things or something's happened in someone, and and, and we feel discouraged, and the weight of that comes heavily in upon us. And as I was praying, the Lord just spoke to me, but I've forgiven him. And this sense of peace and joy began to flood my heart. When God says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. When God says you're free, you're free. When God says you've been redeemed, friend, you've been redeemed. The full price for your redemption has been paid. Can you imagine if someone came to your house tomorrow and they said, Hey, uh, that mortgage that you have, paid in full, it's yours. 
Some of you who have a credit card or a car payment and someone came to your house and they say, it's been redeemed, it's been paid in full. Would you be kind of like, oh, wow. I'd be like, yeah. Huh? Your house has been paid for. Your car has been paid for. Friends, your sins have been paid for. You've been redeemed, not with silver or gold. Here's the reality. You've not been redeemed with silver or gold or things that rust and dissolve in time. But you have been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb. And because of that, if you mark your transgressions, if we bring all of you up and we tell everybody about all of your past, if all of you came up and and there's a list made of all the places where you've fallen short, well, that was before saved. How about after you've been saved? How about this morning? We would just have to hang our head in shame and walk away. Who could possibly stand? But with the Lord is forgiveness. So that because there's forgiveness, you can with reverence serve the Lord. You can with reverence testify of him. You can with reverence witness for him. You can with reverence serve and preach or teach or whatever God calls you to do. You can do it with assurance. Why? Because you've been redeemed with the blood of the lamb. You've been forgiven. There's a third one. If God kept records, you'd be messed up. If you keep records, you'd be messed up. If others kept records, here's my question. If you kept records, if others kept records, what relationship could possibly stand? What relationship do you have that you're in? I want you to think about that. What relationship that you're in could possibly stand if we keep records of transgressions? If we keep records of wrongs? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that one of the things about what love is, is love keeps what? No records of wrongs. And we're supposed to walk in love. The mercy of the Lord is new every morning. Think of your friends, people who you really like, and maybe you go on vacation with them. Or maybe a friend from college or the high school or an old friend or family member who comes to your house from out of the area and stays with you for a few days. A week's vacation with them. How you feel? I think it's time for all of us to go home. <laughs> right? It may be people who you love desperately. It may be your grown children, your parents, your grandchildren. But after a while, you're probably ready. Maybe your best friends from school or college or growing up and you get together. But after a while, you're ready for them to go home. Because chances are there's little things that they say or do or the way they do things kind of can get on your nerves. Am I talking to anybody? Okay. They get on your nerves after a while. You, You love them, but they, you know. I don't want to say a word of knowledge, but I think this is maybe really close. Some people feel like they're always a victim of other people. Man, I just have a really stinky, and you can fill in the blank. Maybe the other person that you're in relationship with, I have a really stinky boss. I got a really stinky employee. I got a really stinky husband. I got a really stinky wife. 
have lousy kids. I have lousy parents. I have lousy neighbors. Maybe, maybe your neighbors aren't so lousy. Maybe your spouse isn't so lousy. Maybe you're just really good. You're really good at keeping records. Maybe you're really good at keeping records, at keeping the tally score of marking down every time. So maybe they're not so bad, but maybe you're just really good. Not at being good, but at keeping records. Who could possibly, what relationship can you imagine on earth that if we mark down the mistakes and you keep record of the mistakes and you don't have a way of getting rid of them, what relationship could possibly stand? Is it any wonder that so many relationships fall apart and so many families fall apart whenever we many times don't have any way to erase or to forgive? Lord, if I keep record of the transgressions of others, what relationship can possibly stand? Here's the principle I want to leave you with. The principle of Scripture says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, that His mercies never come to an end, that they are new every morning. Every morning, listen to me, friend. Every morning, God has new mercies for you and for me. He has new mercies for me, for my transgressions. He has new mercies for me, for the transgressions that I see in myself. And he has new mercies for me and the transgressions that I see in other people or that you see in other people. But he does give us this warning. When you and I stop forgiving the transgressions of others... The line starts backing up for you. As long as you're gracious and willing to forgive others, His forgiveness and His grace continues to extend to you. It doesn't take very long before we're unable to stand. So since He's been so gracious to you, since He's been so kind to you, would you do me a favor? Would you first extend that graciousness and that kindness to yourself? Give it to yourself first. Some people, you're so hard on yourself. You do love your neighbor as you love yourself. You treat them just like you do yourself. And would you extend that graciousness, that mercy, because with the Lord is forgiveness. Would you extend that graciousness and that kindness to the people that you live with? Let's start there. Let's find a way that in the morning or the evening, before the sun goes down. When I was in elementary school, one of the jobs that they used to give the kids is some kids got to take down the flag. You know, you had little jobs that you did and some kids took down the flag and some kids did this and that. Some kids got to erase the blackboards and then they'd bring in rags and sponges and you'd clean the blackboards off. Every night, the kids would do that. That was at the end of the day. Well, I wish we could go back to that. I wish we could go back to that in our own lives. But as a kid, you just get into the habit. That's what they did. Every day, you just knew 10 minutes before class was over, someone would get the sponge and water, and, and some kids would take it out, and other kids got to go out and bang the chalk erasers, bang them. My prayer is that you and I will get into the habit of doing that, that before you go to bed with your husband 
with your wife, with your kids, that you kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, if you marked my transgressions, I couldn't stand. But with you, Lord, there's forgiveness. Then prophetically, the psalmist goes on to say, I want to read to you what he goes on to say. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I just want to encourage you once again with that. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman, waiting for the morning more than a watchman, wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for us upon the cross of Calvary. I thank you that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin, any addiction, any habit, any transgression. I thank you that all those marks that were on the screen that signified the sins of our past have been washed away through the blood. The full price for our salvation was purchased through Jesus' sacrifice. And now, Lord, we can serve you with boldness and with confidence because I've been forgiven. Your mind may not say you've been forgiven, friend. Your emotions may not say you've been forgiven. But the Word of God declares that you have been forgiven, that you have been washed with the blood of Jesus. And that he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now as you walk from this place, may you walk as free men. May you live as free men and women. May you enjoy the favor and the joy and the blessing of the redeemed, I pray. And I'll thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, to you be the glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.